0: This is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and Niagara Gazette sports editor, and welcome to episode three of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, we've done two of these. Are you ready for number three? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. We have a lot to discuss, uh, the Bills' big win over the... Las Vegas Raiders. I still part of me thinks uh, Oakland. Part of me thinks Los Angeles. But they're the Las Vegas Raiders. A very good comeback game for the Bills. Uh, we have Sabres training camp opening. Prospects challenge just took place, and the Sabres were very impressive. And in the in the days leading up to the the Vegas game, there was a lot of criticism of Josh Allen. Maybe the most he's ever endured uh, in his whatever five six years here. And, and, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, I think it stems from just just he set the bar so high that any sort of off game, even if he was a little better in that Jets game, would, it was going to get a lot of criticism. But, I mean, he he wasn't good in the Jets game, and people went nuts, and, <laughs> and he responded with a terrific game. Just, What are your thoughts on just the criticism he endured and his response?
1: Well, I think it's fair to to criticize a professional athlete when mm-hmm. they don't play well. And uh, we, we criticized him here. He was not good against the jets, but I think in the lead up to the Raiders game, it just got absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, some of the, some of the national, um, television markets and radio stuff. I mean, they have, they're looking for a clip. Right. To, to get people worked up. Um, they're looking to create content. Uh, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of time to be filled over over the course of a week, and they needed to do it. Sure, um, but it got ridiculous. I mean, even even some of the stuff that I saw um, from fans locally, or even some some media members, it was almost like Josh had never played a good game before in his life, and or the alternative was he's never going to play a good game again. <laughs> um, it, it just got nutty. Um, yeah, he played a bad game and it was something that's come up frequently recently over the last couple of years where he's thrown interceptions. He's thrown more interceptions than anybody since the start of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's also, you know, nobody, nobody cares when he throws two interceptions when he wins. Um, He did that several times last year, did that the year before. Um, They just lost. And, Those three interceptions, I think there was, there's no. Well, it was the offensive lines fault. There was a receiver ran the wrong route. Those were all on him, Um, and I think that magnified it. But I think there's, we lose some perspective talking sports nowadays, where it's just of course we do. It's you're either either terrible or you're or you're great with no in between, and if if someone takes an, an opinion contrary to you, it's Let's fight to the death, and that's exhausting. it is exhausting so what I mean
0: he had a terrific day against the Raiders. just what did you what what looked different to him to, uh, from him to you just I mean obviously he didn't force those bad those bad throws, but what just what looked different in your opinion?
1: Well, I think that was that was the difference. Um, that was entirely the difference. Um, he did a lot of what he did against the Raiders in week one. The difference was he tried to force the ball three different times and got burned three different times. Um, But he didn't take those risks against the Raiders. I think he threw um, one pass over, over 20 yards and got a a defensive pass interference call out of it. Um, I take that back. He had a 40 yard completion to Gabe Davis. Half of it was after the catch, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's an efficient day. He, from the very, from the very start, he decided that he was going to take whatever the Raiders gave him, and he wasn't going to force it. And he didn't. I mean that that was the difference. And you still saw some of the dynamic things that he was able to do. Uh, some sometimes it was a little more subtle, whether it was just extending a play with his legs, like that Gabe Davis play where he kind of rolled out and flipped a pass on the run, um, or the the touchdown pass to Shakir where he. Kind of bounced around some traffic in the pocket and threw off his back foot and hit Shakir with a with a bullet. That was a terrific throw, by the way. Yes, yes, and and um, same with the Gabe Davis uh, touchdown. I mean, it was a dangerous throw. It was fourth down. I mean, you got to throw it up, I guess. But he made that play happen, and so so you got the best of both worlds. You got he can throw for a lot of yards. I think he only threw for like two seventy four but he had a high completion percentage and he didn't turn the ball over. And that's, that's what they need him to do.
0: Now, Ken Dorsey's play calling at times it's come under criticism. Uh, what did you make of it on Sunday? I mean, they, they mixed in their run. There was a good selection. They featured a few different backs. It was, it was they really spread the ball around.
1: I think Ken Dorsey at times gets a bad, gets a bad reputation. Um, that's kind of how these things work. Like it's, you're you're great when you're when you're when you're winning. You're terrible when you're not. Um, I think now that Brian Dable has been gone for over a year, it's been easy for to forget that there were people who were calling for his head a lot. <laughs> I mean, there was there was a lot of criticism of Brian Dable, and it's not like the Bills, um, you know, didn't struggle. Especially in his last year, they had some struggles in twenty twenty one. Like Josh threw. Double-digit interceptions, so not everybody's perfect. Um, I think the one the one play that people really got after, and it was, I mean, it's, it's nitpicking after a day like 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 Sunday, but was the the first fourth down uh, play on the goal line where the Bills were stopped. And there's a lot of people who said that that um, he got too cute there, but that was a play that they had practiced. A lot, Um, especially even at St. John Fisher, you know, anytime they did goal line, they practiced that play, and the play was supposed to go to Deontay Hardy, and he slips. And I think Josh still had Stephon Diggs coming open on a crossing route, but I think he kind of panicked a little bit. That was maybe one of the, that was the one play I think he's probably going to want back. I think he he went a little too fast there, and either didn't look for Diggs or wasn't patient enough for Diggs, and certainly wasn't patient enough. For, for Hardy to get back up because by the time he released the ball, Hardy was back on his feet and would have had, you know, five yards, a five-yard running head start against the defender one-on-one. I think the Bills take that those those odds. Um, but Josh panicked a little bit and kind of rushed the throw. Now, if, if the Bills, if, D, if Hardy doesn't slip and Allen hits him and he scores a touchdown, everybody's talking about what a genius he is, mm-hmm. what a genius Dorsey is it's all it's all perspective, like when you really break it down, there's really not there are no there are no geniuses there's no there there's really no superiority in the n f l when it comes to this kind of stuff it's just it's about the players you have and it's about executing those plays i mean sure there there are some coordinators better than others, but it's not like you know like Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins isn't a step ahead of everyone else or Kyle Shanahan or whoever. Like, it's it's all about the players.
0: I hear you on that. And, I mean, the personnel he has to work with is is very unique. Uh, what have you made so far of the Bills' new receiving core through these first two weeks? Uh, they've targeted Hardy quite a bit. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Sherfield, But, I mean, they did spread the ball around a bit on – on sunday what what do you make of just uh, how they've been targeting guys
1: well, i think the the one of the criticisms in week one was that it was a pretty digs heavy approach mm-hmm. i don't know if that was um, i can't imagine that was the game plan i mean when you have a guy like digs you're going to get on the ball he's one of the five six best receivers in the game um but it was much more balanced this week i think they hit nine different receivers um they're starting to get the tight ends involved a little bit more. Kincaid is, is playing, um, I think three quarters of the snaps. Um, I'd like to see him, him involved a little bit more. They've kind of, we, we haven't seen him a whole lot over the middle. It's been a lot of stuff in the flats and dump offs and, you know, little motions to, to bootlegs and things like that to, to get him in the flats. But I'd like to see some stuff from him over the middle and kind of, Kind of work the middle of the field a little bit with that, but um, I, I think they're still they're still coming along. I think uh, they need to get Gabe Davis involved. I think you have one catch in the first the first game, comes back and leads the team in receiving Sunday. I think that was a good step because a, a player as talented as him just we can't have one catch. That that's you're not going to win that way right very often. Um, but they've got a lot of weapons to use, and I can't. It, they're not going to be able to run the ball like they did on Sunday every week. It's just not going to happen. At some point, Josh is going to have to really, really carry them. And obviously, he's capable of doing that. But in doing so, it can't just be Diggs. Or it just can't be Diggs and Davis. It's, they need they need to get Kincaid involved. They need to get Knox involved. Um, or Shurfield or Hardy. I mean, they don't have to get all four of those guys involved, but they need a mix of them. Um, otherwise, it's going to be You know, tough sledding It's easy to It's easy to take away Two guys Or one guy You can't take away Four or five guys So I think that's just going to be The evolution of the offense Going forward
0: As far as Dave Gabe Davis goes I mean, he had the fast start To his career We remember the game The playoff game in Kansas City Where he was just Dynamic uh, I don't think he had as good a year as people expected last year. What, what kind of stage has he reached of his in his career? He's a young veteran. There's a lot of expectations, and I I don't know if he he's hit all of them really.
1: Well, he was superb during training camp. Um, Davis has been a down the field threat for most of his career, even last year. I think he averaged the the highest yards per catch of his career. Um, it, it, he was used more than ever, and his yards per catch were still the highest of his career. But that's not a recipe to be a consistent part of the offense, and at times he wasn't. Um, I think he needs some of those short throws, some of the stuff that Diggs gets, those those quick outs or the uh, a quick a quick throw around the line of scrimmage to let him run after the catch. I think he can do all that stuff, um, but they have to get him involved in doing it um, to find out. and And maybe if if they don't, maybe they they don't think he can do that stuff, but. Uh, he certainly looked apart during training camp, and when he got his opportunities against the Raiders, he, he very much looked like a guy who maybe could be a number one in the league somewhere.
0: Wow, strong words, Nick.
1: Well, I mean, that was, the, that was the talk during training camp. That's what Diggs said he'd be a number one receiver elsewhere. Davis feels like he can be a number one receiver elsewhere. I don't think we've seen it on the field quite yet, but the talent is there, I think.
0: I remember peerless price kind of thought that and he went to atlanta and then and then he came back to buffalo so
1: <laughs> he did he did sometimes it just doesn't work out that way
0: well it helps when you have eric molds on the other side and i'm sure it helps gabe davis to have stefan diggs too uh you mentioned you know spreading the ball around running uh, they got uh james cook over 100 yards for the first time in his career uh, latavius Murray got some action damian harris uh I mean, Cook's going to be the guy, but I, I think the Bills kind of show that they can do a running back by committee or, or work guys in, whatever you want to call it. What, what was your what were your thoughts on just how they they made sure each of their backs got the ball?
1: Yeah, I think that was a product of um, running so many plays. I mean, they they dominated the time of possession mm-hmm. more than two to one, um, so. It wasn't feasible for James Cook to play all those plays. And he didn't He didn't play the same percentage as he did against the Jets. Um, and I like what I've seen from Latavius Murray. And it's a guy I didn't think when when we thought Naeem Hines was going to be part of this team and part of the offense, um, I didn't think he was going to make the team. Uh, he's a late ad. He's a little on the older side. Um, he's kind of one-dimensional in what he can do, but he does what he what he can what he can do very well, um, and I think that's been a big part of the offense so far. And I think it's a really good change of pace. He's so big, and when he gets downhill, he he really he really goes. I mean there there's no there's no stutter stepping, there's no uh, indecisiveness. I mean he's. When he gets the ball, there's going to be one cut and he's going to go downhill. (laughs) Maybe it's going to be for no gain. Maybe he gets dropped for a loss or whatever. But it's not going to be because he's dancing around or was waiting, you know, to decide where the hole was. He's going to hit the hole and make you tackle him. And I think that's something the offense kind of needs. And you
0: can, in my opinion, I mean, you can see why he's been in demand and why he's lasted so long. I mean, he's been on, whatever, six teams. He's, he's 33, I think. I mean, you don't see a lot of running backs last until 33. but you Especially can, that big. Yes. Uh, you, you can see why he's been such an asset. I mean, he for him to come in and, and, and spell uh, James Cook and get those carries, he scored a touchdown. I mean, it, it was it was a nice effort for him. And you're right. He was a guy. That in the beginning, when they signed him, you're like, "Oh, is this guy going to even make the team?" He's 33 years old, and they already have three backs that they like. But you're right; he's he's found a spot, and I think he does offer them that change of pace.
1: But I think James Cook is he's their guy. I yeah, think he's, for sure. The Bills have shown over the last few years under McDermott that when maybe they'll rotate a little bit in the first half, or maybe early in the second half, or whatever. But when they a close game down the stretch, they they tend to, to, to lean on one guy more often than not, and I think what we saw from Cook uh, against the Raiders says that he's that guy, um, not just his ability to run the ball, but he can he can catch the ball out of the backfield and and and, and be another dynamic weapon there. I think I think they they are really high on him. I, I mean, obviously because he's a starter, but I think they they really like what he brings to the offense and they want to feature him
0: i can't get used to him wearing number 4 i can i can't something in my head with my with my eyes it just doesn't register a running back wearing number 4 like what do you think about these guys wearing single digits
1: i mean they do in college yeah i mean it's 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 weird i guess at first for <laughs> for some of these guys but you see him in college wearing those numbers so
0: this is the nfl though I don't know. I just, I, I can't. My, my eyes. It doesn't register right. There's something about number four, running back wearing a single digit that I can't, can't get used
1: to. No, it's. I guess, I guess they, they have to, they have to, to loosen up on some of the rules so they can tighten the other ones. Sure. <laughs> <Since> they <laughs> oh. got, they got to be able to, to find people for socks. So.
0: I, I don't, I don't get that either. But, whatever. We'll have that conversation another day. Uh, so, the run defense, after giving up that big run against the Jets, they really, I mean, th- th- they came back with a, about as strong an effort as you'll ever see and against Josh Jacobs, one of the league's truly elite backs. Uh, negative two yards on nine carries. Just what went into the Bills containing him all afternoon?
1: Uh, they decided that, that that was going to be the focus. They decided that they were going to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat them, and he couldn't. Some of that was because they just didn't have the ball, but um, and you know going going into this game, I'm I'm sure they knew that Garoppolo isn't a guy that's going to chuck the ball around. I think in, in his entire career, he has nine games or something like that with with um, more than two touchdown passes. Is that right? Yeah,
0: I had no idea.
1: Well, and he's that... only got a handful of uh, somewhere between six and nine, and he's only got a handful of three hundred yard games in his career. So so Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, when he's asked to to throw the ball all over the field and and win a game for a team it doesn't happen very often and I'm sure the bills knew that um, and, and and I think they were also a little bit they were a little bit salty from the previous week. I mean the run defense was was good against the jets. It was just two plays and those two plays were significant mm-hmm. and that's kind of been their mo at times recently is is. We're going to stuff the run pretty much all game, but then we're going to give a big run, and it's going to it's going to kill us. Um, when I say us, I mean the Bills. I have no stake in this, mm-hmm. but but that's <laughs> that's kind of what's what's happened. Um, and and Sunday, I mean, they really they really committed to it. I mean, they would bring it, they brought a safety into the box, um, which a lot of times they do not like to do. They they want. They want to play that too high safeties and make teams beat them underneath. And it's hard to do that when you, when you drop a, a safety in the box, but they did and they committed everything to stop and to stop in Josh Jacobs. And they did, they held them negative two yards. Um, but that's the kind of team they can be. I mean, they've had 13, 13 plays that, that have been either stopped for a loss or no gain this year, running the ball already. Um, they have a chance to be really, really good against the run. They've got some, some really good pieces there. Greg, Greg Rousseau, I think is on the verge of being really, really good. Um, especially against the run. He really sets the edge well, and guys just don't get outside of him. Um, Ad Oliver made some big plays. Obviously the first play of the game comes to mind where he, Josh Jacobs got the ball and Ad Oliver was waiting for him. Mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Leonard Floyd has been a, a big addition. AJ Epenesa made some plays. Um, you know, the question that's always going to be in the run game: is if a team starts pulling people, or you know, they start pulling guards, or or, or you know, they get downhill, the Bills are going to be in trouble because their linebackers just aren't very good or very big. Sorry. Um, obviously, Matt Milano is very very good. And, yes, he is. And Terrell Bernard had had a <laughs> had a good game. Uh, but they're both small and it's tough when a 300 pound guy comes barreling down on you. Matt Milano isn't going to take that guy on. That's not his game. That's not, that's not what he does. Some of it might be just his natural instincts are to skirt that block and get around that block. Whereas, you know, uh, I think the guy that they want, like Terrell Ad- T- Tremaine Edmonds last year was very good at filling the hole and taking on that guard, and allowing Milano to kind of shoot behind him and make those tackles, um, we'll see if that's if that's what what Bernard can be. That's what they need him to be. But that's where they've struggled some is when when offensive linemen get to those linebackers. It, it's a it's a pretty big mismatch. So if the defensive line can eat up those blocks and let those guys kind of run around, they're going to have a pretty good year stopping the run.
0: What have you seen from the the corners so far through two games? That was a, obviously a position that was, uh, under a lot of, under the microscope, I guess, maybe during training camp, just what have you seen from that position?
1: Well, I mean, Christian Benford won the job. He won the job. I mean, that was, there was no, apparently to to the bills, there was no, there, there was a clear cut winner of that competition because mm-hmm. he's played every meaningful snap so far. There hasn't been a rotation. We haven't seen Dane Jackson, um, significant time yet it's been Benford and granted it's it's been they haven't had to do very much the first couple of weeks it just I mean Devontae Adams is, is very good he's going to get his his yards Garrett Wilson is on the verge of becoming really really good he's going to get his yards but they haven't really been tested by a quarterback who's going to chuck it around so we don't really know yet what what they're going to be but Benford so far is it's, it's his job, and hasn't really been pushed yet.
0: On the subject of defensive backs, DeMar Hamlin was inactive again this past week. Do you have any inkling when they might dress him for a game?
1: I, w- I would assume it'll be based on um, personnel of the opponent, but, I mean, they, they just won. I can't imagine that they're going to change a whole lot. You never know. right? But it, it is interesting that... Um, Hamlin made the team outright the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Lewis didn't the year before. He did this year and last year. Um, but when when um, both Hyde and Poyer got hurt, it wasn't like oh let's put let's put Cam Lewis in there. DeMar Hamlin was first guy to go in, and he played well. Um, it wasn't until they kind of decided ja- Jaquan Johnson was struggling that they were going to put Lewis in at safety. And he was okay, but the one start he had was obviously that Vikings game. And there was the play where he's going to be known forever with, with Justin Jefferson.
0: One of the, maybe the weirdest game I've ever seen. Yeah. On some level, I guess. Right. I guess it's strong words, but uh, it, it's up there, I should say.
1: <laughs> but after, after that, his playing time really, really declined. Mm-hmm. Hamlin didn't, obviously, until he got hurt. So it's interesting to me that he's been inactive instead of Lewis the first couple of games here. Um, I think they like Lewis's versatility to play safety and nickel corner, but it it is interesting that 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 they've decided to take him over over Hamlin at this time. I I don't know why. I didn't see anything from Hamlin that was any different than the previous the previous two years of his career. I didn't see anything. That stood out for from Lewis that, that said that he was going to, to jump over Hamlin. So, I guess it's just kind of a wait and see. I mean, if, it would almost be inconceivable that they would cut him this year. Right. I, I can't see that. I can't see that. From a PR, even from a PR standpoint. Right. But there are decisions that are going to have to be made. Von Miller is eventually going to come off the PUP. Uh, Justin Shorter is eventually going to come off IR. Balen Spector is eventually going to come off IR. What do you do with those guys? Well, obviously you're going to activate Von Miller, and I'm going to assume they're going to activate Justin Shorter, and and I don't know if he gets into the lineup, but they really like him on special teams, mm-hmm. and he's a really he's a really interesting piece to develop. So I I, I can't imagine them just saying ah we're done with you. Before he before it even starts, because I don't think he'll clear waivers if they wanted to to get rid of him uh, and put him on the practice But I, I I just can't see someone passing him up. Well, he was
0: he was a fifth rounder, and yeah, and he was. But he even be before his draft year, he was was he like projected as like a first or second.
1: He was a he was a a the number one receiver coming out of high school in the country, and he went to Penn State, and then um the coach who recruited him left just days you know just, just shortly afterwards to go to be the offensive coordinator at Michigan and then he gets hurt and and that kind of derails things and um goes to Florida and I mean even though they have they had Anthony Richardson it wasn't like Florida was you know really throwing the ball with precision while he was there so um I think that kind of was partly why he dropped dropped in the draft. I mean, some of the, some of the other stuff is if he's six five and two thirty. It takes a little bit for him him to get going. He's not one of those quick quick guys, or you know, with a with a short burst. Um, but but he he looks like somebody when you see him out there, even amongst giant men, he looks like somebody.
0: <laughs> six so, five two thirty. That's
1: so I can't I can't imagine they're going to cut bait with him. But when all those guys are ready and, and it's it's coming soon, you know they they're they're out at least four weeks, all three of them mm-hmm. they gotta make room on the roster, so who's who's gonna go? they're gonna have to make at least two three moves
0: something to keep in mind yeah, yeah I, I I can't think of someone they would let go off the top of my head. There's no one that screams out to me, but all right, so commanders this week just what are your thoughts on this game the commanders are 2-0 I mean obviously I, I don't know if they were thought to be a, a big contender this year but they're off to a, a a nice start um just what what do you I mean this is I mean or, or any road game in the NFL is a test uh, this this will be something unique for the Bills just going down there I think they're going to have a lot of their fans there uh what are your thoughts on the game
1: I think it's so it's the cliche- cliche thing to say it's going to come down to the offensive defensive line <laughs> right like that's the that's the every 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 coach is pumping their fist right now because that's what they would say as well but i think it's actually fairly fairly true in this one um you look at the at the at the commander sam howell um i think he's only like started two or three games as an nfl quarterback and he's fared Feared relatively well. He's completing, you know, over 60% of his passes, um, 500 yards right out of the, right out of the shoot here. Um, you know, but, but he's also been sacked 10 times already in two games, 65.7% completion percentage for Howell. Um, so about 250 yards a game, you know, he's not just checking down. He's got a decent yards per attempt, but he's been sacked 10 times. Um, and conversely the commanders have 10 sacks defensively so they get after it too and obviously they have all those former first round picks on that defensive line uh chase young it looks like he's finally healthy again the former number two overall pick who everybody kind of had pegged to be a superstar and you know i think there were rumors in over and during the off season whether he was in the in the cards for washington going forward or or what but um you know they've got they've got some studs on that defensive line, and I think after week one, um, with that Jets defensive line, the Bills offensive line kind of struggled. So Spencer Brown had a really good game against Max Crosby, one of the premier guys in the NFL. Um, he's gonna have to come back and do it again. Um, and but even even the interior, I mean, Jonathan Allen is a stud. Um, you know, uh, they they just got guys all over the board. Montez Sweat, um, you know, it, it it just goes on and on with some of those guys. Um, so that's to me the biggest key. Can the Bills can the Bills get pressure on Howell and make him uncomfortable? Because um, I think this the Bills are going to be his first test as well. Um, being being such a new guy in the league, I don't know if they they faced anything like the Bills yet. So, can they get can they get pressure on Howell and they, can they keep Josh clean and can Josh keep taking those quick throws? I mean, if he can if he can keep keep being disciplined and, make, and making those quick throws, if that's what they choose to give him, then it neutralizes the pass rush a little bit, and I think that's something they didn't do enough in the first game.
0: Can we get a prediction from you this week?
1: Well, I think the Bills are still are still the team. To, to beat in, in in the game there's nothing that says that the commanders are better you never know um but i mean it just it just I, that command we said it two years ago too when the bills came out and lost to the Steelers in the in the season opener and that that Steelers defensive line just got after them mm-hmm. and it was a nightmare day for the offensive line the commanders came in the next week and it was like or two weeks later i think it was. Um, and they had all those guys again. I mean, so the guys, they still have Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Chase, Chase Young, um, Daron Payne. What are they going to do with these guys? Well, they came out and they thumped them. I think, I think they can do that again. And it just, it just, it depends on if they can, they can find that formula again to, to keep those guys off of Allen. And, you know, the, the Commanders have some weapons. Um, Terry McLaurin is very good. Uh, Logan Thomas, the tight end, who Bill's fans remember, he played here. Former quarterback. Former quarterback, yes, yes. Um, Jahan Dotson, receiver, is, he's in his second year. He's shown some promise. Your guy, Brian Robinson, with the the, the pioneer, the big hat.
0: Oh, that's right, yes.
1: That's that's the, your guy. That's, that's the that's
0: big too. hat guy, yes. yeah.
1: He's, I mean, he's, I love those big hats. He's only averaging about <laughs> 3.9 yards a carry. I don't know if he's earned the big hat yet so far this year. Um, but he's by far their, their top running back. I mean, I don't think they – he's carried the ball 37 times, and they have 51 attempts. So they're not running the ball really well, but he's been their bell cow, and I'm surprised if it changes.
0: All right, I'm going to say – 27, 17 bills. One of these days, I'm going to hit the exact score.
1: You, you're, the, you, you're shooting for Swami status? Yeah, why not? you can going to make some, some money on the on the sports books?
0: No, I, I don't gamble, but I just, you know, bragging rights, right?
1: <laughs> At some point, one of us will pick them to lose, but it's not going to be this week. So um, we'll shift <laughs> gears to the Sabres now. Um and Bill, you finally got back to work last week.
0: Yeah. I did. I got out of bed, went down to some practices, caught some games, got back in the swing of things. We got training camp starting now. So the season's underway.
1: Did your wife have to, have to kick you out of bed? Did she have to throw the cold water on you?
0: <laughs> Not yet, but by about November, December, probably. Yes, it'll reach that point.
1: So, <laughs> so training camp is upon us, and... It appears for the first time in quite a while they're not going to be terrible. That the expectations are are on the rise here for the Sabres. Um, I think there were some expectations last year, but... I for think sure. Most people in the know or who watched them intently probably saw maybe maybe they needed a year, another year. Well, here we are. It's been a year. They, they had some, some good moments last year, but now... It's playoff or bust, is it not?
0: I think it is playoff or bust. And I, I think to a man in that room and in the organization, they realize that it, it's it's playoffs or bust. Um, they've come a long way fast. And this is, this is something the group embraced a couple of years ago. I'll never forget Rasmus Dahlin and, and others, too, uh, the first day of, of camp in 2021, just talking about how they understood it was their team they, under, they wanted to take ownership. They wanted more on their plate, and here they are, and, and they've, they've taken the team a long way very fast, and they've reached the stage now where, yeah, they're expected to make the playoffs, and anything short of that, well, I mean, people are going to be upset. And, it, and it's good because, I mean, when was the last time anyone really expected this team to make the playoffs. It was probably 2016, 17, Jack Eichel's second season when they had that huge improvement coming off the tank year in their first year with, with Eichel Reinhardt and Evander and Kane and Robin Leonard and Dan Bilesma. And they just, uh, they just weren't good. They fell apart and it <laughs> cost people their jobs. And that was really the last time we expected the playoffs. And, uh, uh, now it's it's changed again and it, I'm interested to see how these guys respond to these expectations because uh, it, it 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 hasn't been this way there there there's been little or none some as you say last year but this, this is the first time where it it's on them and they're expected to perform and I think these guys like Darlene and Tage Thompson and, and Kyle Oposo, I think uh, I think they're ready for it
1: what's what's the difference between this group of guys, rather than the the previous the previous you know the the Eichel years there, where where they had some expectations and didn't meet them, obviously I think they have they have deeper amount of talent looking back. Yeah,
0: number one for sure.
1: I I, I don't think I think the the key there was the on on paper part. I think what was on paper probably wasn't as good as as what they were able to put on on the ice. But I think I think this this group of guys is just deeper you know top to bottom but what's what's different about these young guys compared to that 16 17 even that twenty eighteen team that had that hot starter hot run and then just petered out
0: oh i think i mean for starters the team's closer i think it's a better group that likes each other that the guys always talk about how there's no clicks uh they they all get along and they all, you know, th- there's interaction all over and they can't wait to hang out outside their rink, and that's unique. And I don't think that old team had anything like that. I mean, this is the closest team I've ever seen in, in 20 years. And, uh, I mean, you can, that's something you can't manufacture. And I think that ex- I mean it, that extends to the coach, uh, to the GM, the, the whole staff. I think everyone's on the same page more or less, and it's reflected on the ice. They want to play for each other. And I'm not sure that was really the, the case, you know, six, seven years ago. It, it just it wasn't the right group to mesh. Uh, I don't think they had the right captain in Jack Eichel. And now I think they have a terrific captain in Kyle Loposo.
1: I, I think from what we saw last year with the Panthers, I mean, one game, and maybe it's the Sabres making that run mm-hmm. that the Panthers made. um you know, I think you get in and you see what you can do, um, you know, and anything can happen. The playoffs get a little crazy. We've seen on more than one occasion, a seven or eight seed getting to the final to um, say, heck, the Sabres did it as a seven seed in ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I would still say that Stanley Cup um, expectations should be tampered a little bit, though. I mean, this is this is OK, let's let's get in first kind of like some of you know the 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 Penguins early with Crosby and Malkin. And it was, all right, let's just get in and see what we can do, and then we'll go from there. Right, and
0: you are right. Just get in, and who knows what will happen. But the Sabres, I, I think a lot of people peg them as a, a legit Stanley Cup contender in the near future. When that is, I don't know. But, I mean, before we go there, I think you need to just make the playoffs first. They haven't made it since 2011, as we all know. And uh, I think that's the first step. Just just get in. I mean, when they make it, and I, as I said, I think they will, they can this year. I mean, that's going to lift such a, a weight off the organization's shoulders, all the players. They can stop hearing about it. It's going to be such, such a moral victory. But I, I, I think this group is mature enough to understand that that's, well, that's going to be nice. That's just one small piece, and that's not what they want ultimately. It's not something to celebrate that wildly. And I'm sure that whenever it happens, they'll enjoy it. But I think they know there's a whole lot more to go, and they won't be satisfied
1: with it. Um, If they don't make the playoffs, it's got to be 2011, 2012, you know, jump off the ship. (laughs) I mean, that's... I think that's kind of where they are. Like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're gonna have trouble. I mean, fans always come back if they win; they'll come back. But there's gonna be a lot of people that are just done with them.
0: Well, I think there'll be a people upset, of course. And you mentioned that 2011-12 team; that was a an odd team. Just they just had too many injuries. They didn't just they they had a playoff caliber team. They just didn't have the depth to overcome what they all the injuries they had. I mean, that team was good enough that if Christian Erhoff was a little healthier. They probably wouldn't have won a couple more games and made the playoffs. And but who...
1: that was a team people expected to be a cup contender. Oh, yeah, for sure. Unreasonably, I think, looking back, like some of those guys, like...
0: Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that, that was a team that was basically minutes away from knocking off the Flyers in 2011 in the first round in Game 6, and then they blew that lead, lost in overtime, then they got walloped in Game 7. But... They felt they were close to something. They added to it, you know, with Erhoff and Lano and, uh, f- forgive me, I think Robin Right, a- Ro- Oh, that's right, Robin Regeer. And they had added a bit Red Boys at the deadline the year before. And they thought they were a legit contender. And in reality, uh, they weren't. They were probably a playoff team if they, you know, a few more things worked out, but they just weren't that cup contender. And uh, the next year, the lockout year, things went sideways. And uh, they they started over and... Well, I, here, I think
1: I think barring injuries. I mean, I think people understand, you know, Tate Thompson has a significant injury and they have multiple significant injuries, I think. But unless that happens, like if they're healthy and they missed the playoffs by a couple of games, I think that would probably be pretty demoralizing for a lot of people because they've locked so many of these guys in long term. It's not like you're going to be able to retool the roster again.
0: Right. And and the the question I mean you know we talk about making the playoffs my my thing has been I I do think they'll they they make they'll make it I I just as we've discussed I don't know who falls out I mean it's it's a tough division it's a very tough conference I mean we expect Boston to maybe be down uh, but I mean they're so good I mean I can't imagine them falling out even after losing Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci I mean Tampa I mean people think they're on the downswing. But, I mean, they're still so good, and they still have such a great core, even if it is a t- getting a tad older. I mean, there's just these teams. I don't know who's going to fall out. That's that's the big thing for me. But, again, just get in. They're incredibly close. Uh, this is a team, I think, if they if they get solid goaltending, if they can play a, a little bit more mature style and lock down a little bit more key times, I I think they can definitely do it.
1: So you were you spent last week at the at the prospects challenge. What, what did you see? What did you like? What did you not like?
0: Well, there was a lot to like. Um, just the whole tournament, watching you know the games and seeing the other team, it just underscored how much talent the Sabers have accumulated, built up uh, their prospect depth in the last uh, two three years. I mean, five first round picks. Uh, then you have. Uh, even beyond those guys, beyond the Zach Benson's and Matt Savoy's and Isaac Rosan and 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 those forwards, just guys like Tyson Kozak, who was a seventh rounder and who was really showing signs that he's going to play in the NHL someday. He, he's he's going to be a third or fourth liner, but uh, I think it's a safe bet he's going to be an NHL player and be an interesting two way presence, penalty killer. Uh, he, another guy that I wrote about today, Nikita. N- Novikov, uh, a sixth-rounder uh, in 2021, uh, not a Russian kid, not a lot known about him. And he looked raw at times during the tournament, but, I mean, he led them in points. He had five assists. And, yes, it's a rookie tournament, but it's interesting to see how these guys are able, how these guys are progressing and how they adapt. And, I mean, five assists in the first two games, I mean, it's it's notable. So I think the tournament, I mean, they did well. They won their first two games, and they rested a bunch of guys uh, in Monday's game, and they lost uh, 3-0. But the tournament really underscored just how much depth the Sabres have built up. I mean, they had three legit lines, uh, forward lines, that could play in the AHL and, and will play in the AHL, most of them in the near future, if they haven't already. So, I mean, to go three deep in a prospect tournament is pretty significant.
1: And one of those guys, Matt Savoy, got injured on the last the last day. What what is the prognosis there? What, how how does that how is that going to impact his training camp?
0: Well, the word we had on him after the game was upper body, and he's going to miss some a little bit of time in camp. Uh, we don't know how much. I mean, is that through you know the weekend or is that a week? Um, so I mean, it happened on the first play of the game. Pittsburgh scored. He ran into a guy, kind of helicoptered a little bit and and fell to the ice. It, it, my thought is I mean he's still I mean, he's still in the mix for a roster spot. I think the Sabres want him to be in the NHL. He can't play in the AHL regularly yet. Uh I don't think they think junior is the best place for him in my opinion. He's just he's been a dominant junior player and he's going to a new Uh, the the Winnipeg Ice moved and he would be going to Washington he's farther away with I think a a, you know a a different team this year a different different team player wise different team coaching staff ownership wise so I I I think that they'd like to keep him here and I think even if he does miss some time I think he'll still be in the mix for a roster spot but I mean they have some there be going to be some roster battles coming up, and they, they have some good guys that could fill them. Savoy Yuri Kulik, who was a significant AHL player as a rookie. Uh, Lucas Rusak, who has quietly become a, a terrific forward prospect, got a couple NHL games at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving out some guys. But they have guys who can fill these holes, and that's something they didn't have in the past. I mean, when we talk about roster battles in the past, I mean, it might have been a, a depth guy that they signed or, or or just a a lower level prospect that uh, ultimately didn't pan out. Now we're talking about legit grade A prospects, uh, possibly filling holes in the lineup.
1: Well, and and just because he makes the the roster with the Sabres doesn't mean they play him. I I know that that in the past, I mean, obviously different, different regimes. Lindy, Lindy kind of did some of this stuff where he would, you would say i'd rather have him practice with us than play juniors or ahl or whatever uh,
0: correct they have i mean they have 9 games before uh Matt Savoy's contract would kick in uh, and that's some, I mean that's a tool they can use they could they could keep him and have him practice for for weeks and play him occasionally and just have him get a, a better feel for the nhl what i think this regime won't do what we saw 10 years ago uh, with Mikhail Grigorenko, they're not going to force this. They're not going to, if they decide Matt Savoy is not ready, they'll send him back to junior. It's not that huge of a deal. I mean, he's going to, Matt is probably going to play in the NHL in the near future. And if it's not in October or whatever, this fall, then, then so be it. But they're not going to force it like we saw with Mikhail Grigorenko. Ten years ago, when he clearly wasn't ready, and they, they they burned his entry level contract, and they doubled down on it, and it was just it was it was a mess. I mean, it, it was bungled, and uh, it it affected his career. We're not going to see that. So,
1: and So you think he's gonna if he if he makes the team, he's going to be an every night player? i most sure. most nights players. I'm not
0: sure. It, it's an interesting option they have.
1: But he, uh, he's just, not in the NHL. It's not like being inactive in the NFL. Right. Like I mean, if if he's a healthy scratch. A good chunk of the season it doesn't mean his career is over. Or Correct. That they, they think he's not any good. It's just a matter of fact. Correct. And he, he's
0: 19, and maybe they maybe want to keep him around and award him a game or something like that, then send him back. I mean, I don't know how this is going to play out, but uh, they have that, that nine games before the contract kicks in. It's an interesting situation. Um, it's something they can utilize. Uh, a lot of teams don't the sabres really haven't done that that much in in recent past I
1: think done it they've they've done it did they do it with myers
0: uh or they
1: they decided they were, everybody thought oh he, we're going to have him for nine games and then he ended up
0: well, being Ma- too good right tyler myers was so good they uh they just <laughs> they said hey you got to stay i mean he was one of the league's def- best defensemen as a rookie
1: i can't recall a time when they've sent somebody back they but sent- i think they've they've had the option several times in
0: 2014 Sam Reinhart used up his allotment of games and they sent him back yeah okay and he he wasn't ready for the NHL then the Sabres were in a totally different state I don't think that was necessarily bad they kept him but I don't think it was good for him to be around that environment the way it was that year in 2014-15 but um I think Matt Savoy is further along uh at, at this stage of his career, than Sam Reinhart was then, and it's it, it's it's interesting these training camp battles because, like I said, they haven't had this much depth in a long time. I mean, it was just, even I mean, you look back two years ago when Kevin Adams started, you know, he tore it down and started putting his mark on the team. I mean, they were they were signing guys that we knew were probably going to be placeholders. I mean, they were decent players, if any, Hinojosa, Mark Pesek, and and some of those guys. But we knew they weren't in it for the long haul. I mean, they were just—they were—they were guys, good guys to have in the room, who I think helped the Sabers move along. But uh, they were just uh, guys to kind of fill a slot for a year or two. But they've—they've they've rebuilt things very quickly.
1: So if, if Savoy makes the team, there's going to be some. There's going to be some players left out of the mix. There, they're, You look at it. There aren't a ton of open spots. No, they're not. They're not. But there are a few. I think you mentioned yuri Kulik he's got to be in the mix for a roster spot at this point especially with jack Quinn being hurt um you know what where what are the what are the battles there for for the final few spots
0: i think it it's basically uh looking at replacing jack Quinn, more or less um you have yuri Kulik you have Matt savoy you have um Lukaš Rusek, Isaac Rosean, who I'm not sure if he'd make it out of camp, but uh, I think he'll definitely get games, or I think he more than likely will get games this year. Uh, so those are some awesome, really terrific options to have, and I don't, I don't think they'll keep a guy f- f- for the sake of it, uh, even if it's you know Luca. Let me start that over. I don't, I don't think they'd uh, keep a young guy like Uri Kulik or uh, Isaac Rosane, just for the sake of it, because long-term he's a better option or might be a better player than Lukasz Rusak. I, th- I think if L- Rusak wins the job, uh, a job, then they'll have no problem keeping him. Uh, and because I think they know that these guys are coming and they'll be here sooner than later. And maybe they can develop from, uh, develop a little more from some time in the minors. But I think... Uh, Kulik probably has the inside track for that just because he was uh, such a significant AHL player and he's shown that he's ready to take the next step
1: how about how about Ryan Johnson he had a good prospects camp from what I understand and he did um does he have a shot at, at making it or are they just too is there just too much of a log jam right now at on the, on the blue line. They have too many
0: guys right now. I mean, if there's injuries, then who knows. But my thought is he'll go to Rochester. He'll play a whole lot of minutes. And maybe he gets recalled this year. But to start, no. But um, he he's an interesting prospect because Seth Eppert was talking to us about him the other day. And he's capable of playing the power play at the Prospects Challenge. He's capable. And he did it. He's capable of playing the power play the AHL, and it sounds like Sepp Eppert's not going to give that to him. And he wants uh, Ryan Johnson to develop like he'll be in the NHL, and that's as a defensive defenseman. And his path to the NHL isn't manning a point on the power play. Owen Power and Dahlien are entrenched in those roles. Uh, His path to the NHL is being a, a good defensive defenseman, so that's how they're going to cast him and... It's a role it sounds like he embraces. He gets what he has to do, and I'm interested to see how he develops. He's older. He played four years of college. Um, he wants to be in Buffalo. I mean, he could have waited a couple more months and signed a free agent contract somewhere else, had his pick of plenty of teams, but he, he liked what the Sabres were building. I think he liked the, just the support, the fan base, and, and how hockey, what hockey represents in this area. And I'm I'm just interested to see how quickly he develops because I think he will play in the NHL sooner than later.
1: So some of the other some of the other camp battles, um, goalie, goalie. That's a, that's a big one. Um, I I would also they got to find a second a second line, um, consistent second line. Um, you know with with the with Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner. Um, Uh, Alex Tuck they all played on that on the same line last year and I think you could you could wherever you watch the Sabres you could you could see the internal struggle with Don Granato to put his three best offensive players all on the same uh, line that does not happen very often in hockey but they're so good together it's hard to take them away they've got to find that that second line more consistently and I obviously Dylan Cousins is part of that but he needs some help as well. Who who steps up with him this year?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. I think my first thought is J.J. Uh, Paterka. They had some good chemistry for a lot of last year. And for a lot of last year, that, that second line was Dylan Cousins, J.J. Paterka, and Jack Quinn. And it's not going to be Jack Quinn this year. Or, excuse me, Jack Quinn until at least the winter. Uh, and I, I think maybe there's some tinkering there. I mean, we, we saw... Um, Victor Olofsson do some good things last year as much as he as much as much he was maligned and as much as he struggled at times. Victor Olofsson's capable of filling that role. And I think with Victor Olofsson, I mean, he's a guy that most people thought was going to, myself included, thought was going to be traded. He just needed his change of scenery. Uh, it was time. He had good value. But um, with Jack Quinn's injury, they can't trade him because they lost, whatever, 14, 15 goals out of the lineup. They can't lose another 25, 30. So he's back, and one of the interesting things that Kevin Adams said about him, about Victor Olofsson uh, early in the offseason, was just I think they realized that maybe they weren't using him properly, that for Victor Olofsson to be successful, he needs to be cast in a, a, a more significant scoring role, and that would be maybe the second line. Um, so... Dylan cousins and Victor Olafson and JJ Paterka uh, it depends on how they want to arrange these guys we saw Casey middlestat had success as a number one center late in the year I mean he was a winger mostly year and played pretty well so there's a lot of there's some moving pieces they have and uh, uh, again depth they have options uh, down the middle and on the wing and these are th- these are options they didn't have you know two three years ago
1: can Kulik be that guy I I
0: I think so. I don't know. I don't know if they would make right away make him.
1: They want to trade another kid, for, a kid for another kid.
0: No, no. <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, they would. They would move him to the wing in the NHL. But I don't know if they would want to necessarily on opening night, you know, make him the second line winger behind besides. Dylan Cousins but I mean if, if he has a lights out camp and he earns it then why not I mean he's paid some dues in the AHL he's knocking on the door
1: he's a first round pick so obviously they want him they want him around eventually
0: oh yeah I mean he, he's coming but it's important to note if Yuri Kulik doesn't make the Sabres out of training camp uh, I, I think he'll, I mean he's going to be up sooner than later and he seems to have the want the maturity to go back to Rochester and em, em, embrace another stint there. So I don't if some of these guys get sent down or whatever, it's not the end of the world. I think this organization it seems to be good at keeping these guys head straight and, and and letting them know the, the why they're in the spot they're in, good or bad.
1: So to me down the stretch they lost some games cuz they couldn't put Enough pucks in the net, and that down the stretch, that was kind of the difference between them getting a the spot in the playoffs and not. But early in the season, it was goaltending. They lost. They lost too many high scoring games. They had too many high scoring games. By the end of the year, when they brought up Devin Levi, it looked like they got their guy of the future. He looked apart. Is it his job? And what are they going to do behind him?
0: Well, my. He has the inside edge for the job, in my opinion. I mean, just because he ended last year as the starter. I mean, he started, I mean, he did something very unique. I mean, to come out of college and to play, you know, games for your team, start games for your team when they're fighting for their playoff lives, um, I mean, that's significant. So I think he has the inside edge. But, I mean, I think it's an open battle uh, with uh, Uka Pekka Lukanin and Eric Comrie. And... At some point, and I think ultimately it'll be Devin Levi and Ukapecalukinen. But at some, I mean, at some point they need to make a decision with Eric Comrie because uh, he's a pretty good goalie. Uh, he didn't see he had a weird year last year. He just he was playing sporadically. He had some good games. He got I mean he got hung out to dry uh, some nights. Got uh, hurt. He, yeah, he got hurt. Um, he played a, a lot of his games early in the year when they were missing Matias Samuelson and some other defensemen when the Sabres were at their worst, when they lost whatever that was, eight straight. So, and, and that was coming off when he was, he played, he stole two road games for them. So, I mean, don't close the door on him. I mean, he's, he's an NHL goalie, NHL caliber goalie who can win you some games. So I don't, I don't, think that he's necessarily out of this I don't think he has the inside edge just because of his age and, and contract status and how he was acquired but um, I mean he's a factor in this too so ultimately I think it'll be Devin Levi and Ukapeka and Eric Comrie maybe they I don't think he'd clear waivers so maybe they trade him uh, I think he would draw some interest he's relatively cheap at like I believe 1.8 million uh, he only has a year left so it's it's low risk, high reward, but uh, that to me that's the biggest position battle this this camp. Just because there's been so much attention focused on the goalie uh, for for the last year or two, uh, so much attention focused on uh, Devin Levi. And uh, again, Luca Pekka Luken, and, I mean, don't I mean, just because he he had some. I mean, he played very well at times last year. Uh, he had some struggles, but I mean. He's a kid, and those are the growing pains of the NHL. And I think just because they had Devin Levi, and Levi played pretty well at the end of the year, I th- I think people are kind of down in, in Uka Pekka, and I don't think they should be. I mean, he's still a terrific goaltending prospect. This is a guy that wasn't that long ago. He was maybe the best goaltending prospect in all of hockey. So uh, the Sabres have two terrific young assets, and ultimately I think it'll be them in the net this year.
1: The with upl he had his moments last year sure there were moments where he stood on his head there were moments where he you had to question whether he was going to be a number one guy Mm -hmm. um do the sabers still view him as a guy who can be number one because i think that's a piece to the puzzle otherwise and then i think the other is do they want a more seasoned veteran to be – to to back up Levi and be in his year and kind of help him out. I can't – I mean, they're not going to send UPL
0: to Rochester. Well, he needs waivers, so that w- that wouldn't happen. This, he would not right, there's somebody.
1: Yeah, he's not going to clear. Um, so it's either trading him – I mean, if it's not going to be UPL, they either got to trade him or, or put him on waivers. I don't think they're going to do either one of those two things. Um, but there's that's got to be a piece of it. You. You know, you look at Josh Allen. I think one of the good things about his progression was he was always the guy. Any of his backups were there to um, further him, to help him, not to compete for his job. Mm -hmm. I would imagine, you know, with, with Levi, it would be helpful to have something similar where he's the guy and the guy behind him is there to help him with UPL not necessarily saying that he's going to you know be in his ear chirping every time he has a bad game but you know he's going to have he's going to believe he has the same stake to that to that, that same claim to that job as as Levi does and that's that can be tough
0: you're right it is unique to have two uh goalies in their whatever 22 23 24 as your tandem potentially Without a veteran there, or even a guy with just a few years of experience, but I, I think it's a unique situation that Devin Levi is—he's—he's he's such a different kind of goalie. He's, uh, his his work ethic, his focus—he's such a self-starter. I think that if there's a goalie who can develop without uh, the aid of a veteran, it would be him because he's just—he's—he's he's so. He's so different in his preparation, and he's so dogged in his pursuit of being an NHL number one goalie. Now, that said, I mean, they have Dustin Tukarski, who, who's back in the organization. I mean, at some point this year, he might play NHL games. He'll probably start in Rochester. Uh, Levi had some time around Craig Anderson, which I'm sure helped. But I, I still think that um, they're comfortable going with two guys, and and they do potentially View Lukanen as maybe a, a, as a number one, uh, but the, the important thing to remember is that Lucanin was drafted by Jason Bottrell and Levi was acquired by Kevin Adams. I mean, Levi's Kevin Adams guy, so to speak. So that goes a long way too.
1: So I, I think it's going to be Levi and UPL mm-hmm. also. That just both on the ice and and contractually just makes the most sense. Where how? What do you see the split? in terms games is it closer to 50 50 is it 70 30 80 20 how do you see it
0: that's a good question I, i my thought would be maybe they split early on until someone grabs it or maybe levi's the starter but they they make it a point to get you know make sure upl gets more than that one game a week that it's more 60 40 that type of thing i mean as much as Levi played uh, toward the end of the year and as as much as he played in college, which is a totally different schedule, um, I, I I can't imagine him playing 68 games this year. I mean, goalies just... It's so... This, the position is so tough physically and mentally, just the grind of the season. It's so hard to play that many games this day and age, and I, I think uh, it's more realistic that he would play maybe 50-some and uh, whoever backs him up uh, gets regular action more than just, you know, the token game on a back-to-back.
1: It could be a a Ryan Miller, Marty Buran scenario from the early stages of 05-06. I
0: remember that. Ryan Miller got hurt. Marty Buran went on a run. I mean, Marty Buran had ended up – he didn't play any playoff games that year, but he was – such a huge part of the, their success. I mean, it was the NHL's best backup. I mean, he was, that was a unique situation.
1: And he had the personality that when they went with Miller, mm-hmm. he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, trying to, trying to swipe the job by, by, by negative means. No, he, he
0: understood his place and he, he knew he was a big part of it and I actually wrote a story on that uh, last year, Ryan Miller's emergence. And, uh, marty harbors no ill will he i think he had a lot of fun that season i think he likes ryan miller a whole lot and uh that was i mean that year helped him become a starter in the nhl again with the flyers
1: all right bill we've 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 talked a lot of buffalo sports uh anything you're looking forward to not not related to buffalo sports this week
0: i'm looking forward to having dinner in a little bit um taco
1: bell taco bell that was lunch
0: today i'm not kidding
1: um <laughs> bill bill Hoppy with uh, your your food tips for the week here. That's
0: right. Uh you know, you can spend uh, 2 or 3 bucks and get
1: uh how know? long did you wait in the drive-through?
0: I went in, ordered on the kiosk. But uh I was hungry. What you can a, I say? You have a
1: five-star palate.
0: I do. Taco Bell and uh I don't know, McDonald's, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to wean myself off of fast food. Um, Keep the portions small and uh, go less. But, uh, oh, I meant to ask you, have you watched any USFL clips this week?
1: I haven't, no. Oh, well, are are you going to? Probably not.
0: Watch some games, some Houston Gamblers games from the 84, 84, 85, when Jim Kelly threw for 5,000 yards.
1: I'm a big fan of of watching old games. I have a lot of... I have a lot, a lot of uh, saved uh, old college football games and old NFL games, but I haven't watched any USFL games. So. All right, well, I think
0: you'd enjoy them. So get on that.
1: I have two old Sabres games saved in the DVR from the Remembering RJ stuff, but I haven't gotten around to watching them.
0: Which ones? The last game at the odd?
1: No, I watched that one. I watched that one on TV. I didn't get to watch as many of them as I had wanted to, but I'll survive.
0: All right. Those are fun games.
1: Yeah, there, there was those were. I like the older games. I do too. All right, Nick. Well,
0: it's been fun. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for joining us. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Reach out to us. And thank you.